0: Hey there, we're the West Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. And Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Scos-Gaspo. Uh Today we are going to be talking about the second game on the Northwestern schedule that would be... Um, what, like the fourth matchup against Duke in recent years, um, this time at home in, uh, in Evanston, a uh, place where we tend to do a little bit better than Duke than, uh, when we'd go down to Durham. Um uh, last year, John, that Duke defense really kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, they were way better than we expected. Took a lot of people by surprise. Any reason to think they're going to continue that, uh, kind of out of nowhere it wouldn't really be out of nowhere anymore would it
1: no yeah so it might seem like a little consolation uh to northwestern fans but remember when our offense sucked against duke last year well everyone's offense sucked against duke last year because duke's defense was awesome last year seriously awesome this was the third best defense in the acc the devils had it all they had a great scheme Great production across the board, and a unit anchored by two first-team all-ACC players. Um, The Devils won seven games, and they easily could have won more, despite bringing not too much to the table on offense. It's mind-boggling, really, what Duke did on the defensive side of the ball last year. So how did the Devils do it? Let's try to unpack this miracle buzzsaw that we walked into. First of all, Duke seems to have a trend, and if you've been following this pod over the years, you know this, uh, because as Sam alluded to, we've played them a couple of times. Duke seems to have this trend of boom and bust cycles relative to the defensive backs, and defensive backs matter a lot for Duke because they play a 4-2-5. We're about three years removed from the last boom cycle that Duke had in terms of personnel, and last year, a new one came out of nowhere. So, all of a sudden, the Devils are stacked in the secondary, and they're young. Duke had a first-team All-ACC cornerback last year in sophomore Mark Gilbert, a ridiculous lockdown stud, who had six interceptions and 21 passes defended. He isn't some diamond in the rough, either. Duke beat Michigan and Penn State for him, uh, though not Northwestern. (coughs) Cough, academic standards. (coughs) Cough. Um, But Duke also fielded a third team all ACC safety in junior Jeremy McDuffie both players are back in 2017 though the Devils do lose safety Alonzo Saxton's the seconds 91 tackles sadly Duke is also just flipping fine at linebacker because they only start two of them and one is almost certainly the best linebacker in Duke history. Joe Giles Harris has, seriously, a shot at 500 career tackles. He has about 250 through his first two years, and while he may turn pro after this season, that doesn't help us any in 2018. The Devils lose linebacker Ben Humphreys and his 60 tackles and 9 TFLs, but Kobe Kwanzaa was excellent as a backup last year, and he's going to have no problem cleaning up after Giles Harris. The big shift in Duke's defense, though, from what it has been historically, comes on the defensive line. Duke has gotten much better in this area, and credit is definitely due to co-defensive coordinator Ben Albert, who arrived in 2016. He's a defensive line guru, and the results are really showing out on the field. So, in Duke's 4 the job of the defensive line is mainly to absorb blockers. And last year, Duke produced a trio of linemen who were incredibly skilled at doing that. Tackle Mike Ramsey and ends Trey Hornbuckle and Victor, Victor Demukaje combined for 26.5 tackles for loss, and Ramsey was an all-ACC player. He's gone, but Hornbuckle and Demukaje are back, Uh, And both have multiple years of eligibility left and will probably continue to improve. The Devils also have a 6'1", 300-pound bowling ball in senior defensive tackle Edgar Sarenord to eat up some space for them. This unit is stacked. It's young, and it's well-coached. Make no mistake, the Stars have aligned for Duke defensively. They are damn good on this side of the ball, and it's going to stay that way for the near future. Thank goodness they're coming to Evanston because this is not a fun team to be playing this early in the season. Uh, Scuzz offensively, I mean,
0: last year they jumped all over us um, to the tune of 41 points. Uh, They bring a lot of the same players back. What, What do you expect to see out of the Duke offense? I mean, David Cutcliffe, offensive genius.
2: Yeah, offensive genius. They pretty much played their best game of the season on offense, and we pretty much played our worst game of the season. It was, I mean, it was like a nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I, you know, as the year went on, you look at Duke's offense, you can kind of wonder how in the hell did they put up forty-one points on the Cats. Uh, Daniel Jones, their quarterback, did battle some injuries during the middle of the season but against the cats he was lights out 64 completion 64% completion, 2 TDs, uh, 300 yards passing and perhaps most frustrating 108 yards on 2 TDs on the ground. Um he also he he ended up being I think a whole yard above his yards per attempt average for the season and he just seemed it he seemed to be able to do no wrong. Um I've spent a lot of time on these previews over the years talking about how much trouble NU has defending true dual threat QBs, and that's true about everyone in college football. But for Northwestern, it's you know when we face strong QBs and their pro style QBs, we 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 tend to be able to shut them down. Uh, but when it's a true like throw first QB that has the the athleticism to run to run as well and extend plays and and kind of gash our defense under, underneath. It becomes a real problem. You think about some of those those Nebraska years with um Tommy Armstrong, etc. Daniel Jones is six foot five. He has a strong arm, good legs, um, he was completely overlooked coming out of high school. He also happens to have perhaps the best quarterback coach in the country in David Cutcliffe developing him. And it remains just a nightmare matchup for NU. Um and frankly, we should be we should be concerned this year. I think you know, there's a big there's a preparation aspect that comes into play here as well. So when we played Duke in 2015, uh, they had quarterback Thomas Sirk and a three headed monster at running back, and they were coming off the the year where they they almost won the ACC, right? They went to the the championship game. They had a really formidable ground threat, and that was just a great matchup for NU. We smothered them. Um, we blitzed the hell out of them. They they couldn't do anything. We hit them in the backfield all day long. did uh, did not have the passing ability to, to attack. So in 2016, Daniel Jones is now the QB. He's a freshman. I think Cirque got injured going into the year. It was early in the, in the year. And again, Duke relied primarily on their run game. And again, the cats were able to pretty much shut it down last year. I think we probably prepared for Duke in the exact same way. Their running backs did nothing in that game. But we we could we couldn't stop Jones. He completely exposed our secondary. We had we had some, some injury problems. I don't think Marcus McShepherd was able to play that game. Um there were some other didn't, uh, didn't we
0: lose someone to a real iffy targeting penalty? Probably. Yes, we yeah.
2: Did. Uh was that Jared McGee? Yeah, I think yes. so. Yeah. So I mean like there were some challenges and Jones took advantage of it. He he torched our secondary and then he gashed the hell out of, out of us on on the ground as well. I don't think the cats were particularly prepared. They couldn't adjust. The weather was nasty and humid and unpleasant. Uh, and as John described, the Duke D was spectacular, and our offense played like the other heads in the sand. So um, that's all in the past. Now in 2018, uh, let's talk about what Duke has coming back. Their rem- the running backs, uh, you know, throughout this whole kind of time frame, I think uh, Sean, Sean Wilson was, was the primary guy for you know off and on for the last four years their running back core has been decent they tend to rotate a bunch of guys at least kind of two main ones but it's kind of unspectacular i i think this is a bit of a system position for cutcliffe uh like i mentioned starter sean wilson is gone Britton brown is basically a plug and play guy he he uh pretty much matched wilson's numbers last year and now uh, so he kind of moves up to number one and then Dion jackson who's another reasonable talent he becomes the number two guy Duke gets all of their wide receivers back this year, and that unfortunately includes T.J. Roming. We couldn't cover this guy last year to save our lives. He racked up 12 catches, 127 yards. Now, I would argue that the uh, Week 13 version of, of the 2017 Cats defense probably does a much better job on him, but in the early season, especially with the, the, you know, the losses at safety, et cetera, our secondary was no match. Um, Roming's in the mold of like a jazz PV from Wisconsin, just like the type of whiteout that gives NU a lot of trouble. Uh, if he can catch the ball in space, the other guys on the team are all, they're all juniors they're all seniors. Uh, they present an experience threat, if not an athletic one, like there's nobody really spectacular, but Jones can find these guys uh, in, you know, the right situations to convert third downs, et cetera. So, Um, we're just like, nobody's going to beat us over the top other than, other than roaming tight end and offensive line are where Cutcliffe has really focused on recruiting top talent and they have a great set of players. Um, Daniel Helm returns uh, at tight end. He's a monster blocker and they did lose three starters on the O-line, but they still have a really good amount of talent, uh, um, a good amount of talent and experience, uh, in that group. So this all being said, um, and I, I talked about Jones at the top. I mean the guy is uh is has really molded into to a good quarterback. I think he's assuming he, he's able to avoid injury, I think he's gonna be pretty solid this season. He doesn't have a great yards per attempt uh rate. Like he he has averaged between six and six and a half uh in his two years as a starter against the Cats last season. He hit uh he was almost at seven for the game. So he's not an explosive type quarterback. I just I think he, his accuracy is is good enough. He can throw uh, longer passes when the opportunities present themselves, and I think he's just really smart at diagnosing and reading the game and using his legs to uh, uh, to keep defenses honest. So that's a that's a tough matchup for the Cats. But I will say I'm a little bit less concerned about Duke this year for three reasons. One, it's an Evanston. Uh, you know, we've already talked about that a little bit, but the heat and humidity to last year were, were definitely a factor. And it's worth noting the Blue Devils look much worse on the uh, much worse on the road. Jones' passing, in particular, his completion percentage, etc., was were, those numbers were much worse on the road last season. Uh, the Cats now have plenty of tape on kind of the mature junior slash senior version of Jones, as opposed to the freshman one that they played in 2016. And then. I just think the Cats have a bad taste in their mouth from last year. Uh, and with said tape and what happened last season, I I really expect them to have their shit together, and I'm going to be really disappointed if they don't.
0: Um, interesting with their their schedule. They open up the season at home against Army um, before that coming to into... That is yeah, really good for us. Absolutely, yeah. really good for us. You have to spend so much time and effort figuring out and dealing with that Army uh Wishbone offense. I mean, that, that, it, it really is like you play army, you play navy, and like the week after, it's always a little bit weird. Um, you know, so, you know, we get them coming off of army after us, they go to Baylor, home to NC Central, uh, Tech at home, they're bi week, they're at Georgia Tech, home for Virginia, at Pitt, at Miami, home for North Carolina, they're at Clemson, and they finish with Wake Forest. So, um, you know, Last last year they went four and zero to start. Then they lost six in a row. Then they won their last two to get bowl eligible. And they won their bowl game. So, I, I I mean, not don't really need to look at their entire schedule. But coming off that Army game is I definitely a uh, big plus in uh, our column there. We'll have
2: extra rest too coming off of a Thursday night game.
1: Yep, true. The you know the ACC is so weird. It's such a top-heavy conference, um, Duke easily could be the fifth-best team in the ACC. Um, that's not saying that much. There's such a logjam once you get down below the top couple of teams. Now, Duke doesn't have to play Florida State in a class crossover this year. Um, and you would probably say, right, I would say we're the fourth-toughest team Duke plays this year. I mean, you'd be putting us up against Georgia Tech, I guess. Um, North Carolina was lousy last year. They were terrible. Um, so there's not a lot. You know, one thing that's funny, I was thinking about this. Duke's home games in the the always roaring Duke home stadium uh, are <laughs> Army, North Carolina Central, Va Tech, Virginia, North Carolina, and Wake Forest. Will any Power 5 team have less home attendance this year than Duke? Uh, this stadium is going to be half full at the best of times, which is funny because Duke, I mean, there you take at Miami at Clemson, chalk those up as losses, but everything else on the schedule is there for Duke. I mean, if everything Scud said, if they get something out of Daniel Jones this year, Every game, like Virginia Tech at home, it's not like that's out of the realm of possibility with this defense if they're getting good quarterback play. Um, so I, I mean, I again, like they, the, they could easily win. You know, their first four games for sure: Georgia Tech, Virginia, Pitt, North Carolina, Wake Forest. Like it's not like they're that. That's climbing a mountain um, to get to nine wins. You know, if if were they to beat us, so. Um, Again, I, it all, I mean, everything Scuzz said, I mean, it it all comes back to what they get out of their quarterback, especially on the road, especially against us. Um, Their defense is going to show up. I think that they are going to be a problem for Clayton Thorson. And I think it's, it's going to be on our defense to try to neutralize that and kind of keep the scoring down in this one. So he, so I'm, I'm going to make some ACC people mad (laughs)
2: <laughs> I think that fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that conference was garbage last year. All of our diehard ACC fans. Yeah. I think that conference was garbage last year. Duke did not have to play Clemson. Yes, they played turnover chain Miami, but I think we saw as the year went on that that team was good, but not great. Um, same deal with Virginia Tech. And they didn't play anybody. I mean, they played Florida State, but Florida State was a disaster with their problems at QB. They played that travesty and they, and they of a, Florida State. Yeah, um, they played that travesty of a of a team from Waco uh, in their non conference. They they beat a garbage North Carolina team. Um, I mean, beating Wake Forest at the end of the year is is probably their most impressive win outside of us. And I just I, I like all all, the st- all all the stats you talked about, John, and everything that that I'm seeing as well on offense. It all comes with a grain of salt that they did it against, frankly, like a, a
1: crappy bunch of teams. They could be nine and three next year, and and have their best win be Northwestern. Like that's a totally plausible scenario. They're, you're right. I mean, it's just like the whole conference is just utterly mediocre, except for a couple, like what two, three teams. Um, and and who even knows what Florida State's going to be next year? Yeah.
2: I mean, we we definitely can't take them lightly. We need to be worried about them for for all the reasons we talked about. But I also just like, wh- where would they stack up in the Big Ten? They're, they're sh- surely not the fourth best best team in the in the Big Ten. I do no. think they're I
1: do think they're better than Purdue. Um, Are they in the top half? I I'm not sure. I I like I'm I, I still though I'm more scared of Duke at home than I am of Purdue on the road. I feel like they're. I don't know. I I feel like Jones. Do you feel like Do you feel like Jones would start for Purdue or no? Um, different systems. I, yeah, that's hard. it's hard, that's to... hard. Yeah, I mean it's tough. I just he's I, over if, over the current guys. His legs scare me a little bit. Um, over the current guys, maybe actually.
2: Um, He'd, he'd certainly start for Minnesota, Illinois, <laughs> Nebraska, um, maybe Iowa, uh, probably
1: uh, definitely Indiana and, and Rutgers. Duke, maybe, maybe Maryland. I don't know. You know, it's funny. I'll say this, right? I mean, with the exception maybe of North Carolina, the one thing the ACC didn't have last year was just horrible teams. Um, North Carolina would have been the worst. It's just after the top two or three, Everyone is basically in the same gumbo. Um, I
2: I mean, I'm going to place Duke below Northwestern because I think the game last year was an aberration on both sides. I think that they're, at best, the seventh best team in the Big Ten. Probably eighth.
1: That makes sense to me. And, And again, when all the dust settles, that may be where they are in the ACC, too. I mean, it's just they... They could go if if their offense if they don't get what they need out of their offense. So many of these teams, no one has any clue who the fourth best team in the ACC is this year. Um, but they but they could definitely win their division. I mean, North Carolina, Virginia Tech,
2: and Miami like. They could definitely win their division.
1: In some sort of situation where they beat Virginia Tech at home, Virginia Tech beats Miami, and Miami beats Duke, and they get in in some sort of tiebreaker situation, that would be the most ACC of scenarios <laughs> that would lead to, to Duke coming out on top, but it's possible.
2: Okay, ACC. Now take all that locker room material, get angry, and go beat Dabo game in and game out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, that'll just about wrap it up for our Duke Preview. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, to leave comments and questions. You can find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at WestLotPirates. You can email the show, westlotpirates, at gmail.com, and call our voicemail line, 847-231-2287. That's 847-231-CATS. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics, and look for us in the West Ryan field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the 4th. John Lacombe and Eric Scousboy and Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll cool. see you next time.